Okay, we are in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, picking up where we left off last time. And we're reading now in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're reading from verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's just stop right there. It says, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. And coming to him. The first thing is coming to him. Coming to Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that he says. And coming to him. This is such a simple text. And coming to him. But it's profoundly fundamental in a relationship with God. And coming to him. It says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Through 30 says this, 28 through 30, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, Come to me. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. All ye who are weary and heavy laden. Are you weary? Do you have a lot of burdens on your shoulders? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We come to Jesus and he offers us this. He offers us to take these burdens that we're carrying and just lay it at his feet. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you yet rest. So we lay our burdens at his feet and he says, take my yoke upon you. You carry the things that I have for you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I have a granddaughter. I have two granddaughters. The younger one is nine years old now. And I think that that little girl loves me more than anyone else in the world loves me. I can't understand why she loves me so much. If, if I'm sitting at my desk at home working, she will sit right on the ground next to me and just play quietly right next to me. And, you know, I, I'll look down and see her playing and I'll say, do you want me to read you a book? And she says, yeah. And so we'll sit down and I'll, I'll read her a book for a while. And just last time that I was doing this, she looked up at, at me after about 20 minutes and she said, Papa, are you hungry? Now, I knew exactly what that meant, that she had not eaten much breakfast and she was really hungry. So when she asked me, Papa, are you hungry? I knew that that meant she's hungry. I said, would you like to go down and get something to eat? She said, yeah. I said, okay, let's go down. We'll find Mama. We'll get something to eat. And then after we ate, I mean, I said, I'm going to go upstairs right away. She was at my side. That young lady, that young girl is always coming to me. And I find myself thinking about her all the time. You know, you think, you know, I have these grand thoughts of chemical things that we're discovering. and It's like 40% of my CPU is always on this little girl. And, and, uh, um, and the things that she says and the things that she does, and I, I'll, I'll record little videos of her talking to me. 
and I just play those. And and she sent me she sent me this note. She texted me a note the other day because she lives in Israel, so I don't get to see her more than a few times a year. But we FaceTime a lot, and she she sent me a text. She says, "Hi, Papa. I miss you so so much. I wish I could see you every day." And like, think about what happened to my heart. I was like, "Oh, my baby girl," because she always wants to be with me. The Bible says here in First Peter chapter two verse four, and coming to Him, it is as fundamental as coming to Him. If we would but come to Jesus, I am telling you that you build a relationship that is so deep and so loving, such that you're thinking you want to be with Him, and He is longing to be with you. This is the way it is. I mean, God shows us this; He demonstrates this in the natural sense, but this is how it is. And if we, if we have no interest in coming to Him, I know a lot of little kids, and they they have no interest in being around me. And I, you know, I, I don't think about them very much. But this little girl always wants to be with me, and and uh, if I sit down to eat, she's going to be sitting right there, and she usually wants to sit in my chair. So I always give her the head of the table. And I sit next to her because she likes that chair because it has has arms on the side. You know, she doesn't fall off and stuff. You know, kids don't pay attention and they fall off chairs. And so, um, if we desire to spend time with Jesus, there is a relationship that is built, and it's as fundamental as spending time with Him. He says, "And coming to Him," Jesus said, "Come to me." That is the message of the gospel. Come to me. If I could urge you to do this, if you have not started in a pattern of daily spending time with Jesus, you miss out, and and you miss out on a closeness to God. If that little girl asks me for anything, I give it to her, like ten times more than she asks me. She'll say, "Papa, can I have ice cream?" I'm like, "You can have all the ice cream that you want." I took her out for ice cream, and, and and you know she was getting this. She said, "Papa, can I have a topping?" You know, one of the. To- I said, "You can have all of the toppings, all of them. You can have all that you want." My daughter said, "When you take her to the store, don't don't buy her more than one toy. Not more than one." Well, in Hebrew, there is there are two kinds of one. <laughs> there is a one unit, like a table. Is a one, and and echad. Uh, uh, it, it, it's 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 got a platform. It's got four legs. It's one, but it's made up of a composite. And then there's yachid, which is an absolute one, like 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 a like a, a, a fork is 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 one. You know, it's, it's a spoon is one, yachid. So I got her a box at the toy store, and we filled the box with toys, and we brought it home. My daughter was like, "What did you do?" I said, "You didn't say echad or yachid. This is one unit. It's all in one box." <laughs> My heart is always looking out for this little girl. It's the same thing with God. When you show interest in Him, it just, as the Bible says, it comes flowing into your lap and overflowing, pouring into your lap and overflowing. This is the abundance that you have with God when you have a relationship. I urge you to learn to rise up in the morning and first thing, 
Open up your Bible and spend time in the Word of God and reading. And just saying, Lord, speak to me through this passage. Speak to me and instruct me. If you don't have a regular practice, start in the Gospel of John and learn to spend time with Him. It is as fundamental as spending time with Him. He then ends up being on your mind much more and you much more on His mind. You're like, oh no, I mean... It is clear in the Bible, God says of David, of King David, he is, he is like the apple of my eye. And it says of Israel, this is like the apple of my eye. I mean, he was so close to David because David would come before God and he was so close to him. The Bible clearly, God clearly in the Bible, you may not like the way this sounds because fairness to you is the most important thing. But read the Bible. You will see God has favorites. Clearly he has favorites. And it's those people that spend time with him. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall follow me. In John chapter 12, verse 26. Whoever comes to me shall follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. So wherever I am, my servant should also be there. And whoever serves me, the Father will honor him. The Father is going to honor the person who serves Jesus. In the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles, it says that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the entire earth to strongly support those whose heart is completely His. God has favorites. And it's those whose heart are completely His. Come to Him. How many gifts... How many blessings do we leave on the table where we haven't taken hold of them because we've never given time? Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. Come to God. And learn what it is to have strong support from the Father. To learn what it is that the Father will honor you when you spend time with Him. Where so much of His CPU is spent thinking about you and your comforts and how He can teach you more of His ways because you just want to be with Him. There's a depth of relationship. I remember when I started meeting godly men. I started meeting godly men who, who, were, uh, who loved God so much. And I saw the closeness and the trust they had in God and how God would answer their prayers. I met this old missionary at a conference once. And uh, it was this Christian conference and we had gathered early in the morning to pray. And all these clouds came over and started pouring rain. And it was before the morning meeting was going to start. And this old missionary who was too old even to get on his knees and pray was this old Indian missionary. And he he just... uh, um, just sitting in his chair, he bowed his head. He said, and we were just in a small group praying. He said, Father, the rains are coming. But the, the, the believers are going to start coming to the meeting this morning. I pray, Lord, you clear away the clouds so that they don't get wet. All of a sudden, the sun just started to shine. The clouds just started to open around that campus. It was on a college campus. And the sun started pouring in, and there were black clouds everywhere but around that area on that campus. It was like, just like that, 
I saw this with my own eyes. We were having a, a, a lunch for, for, for international students at my home. I was just a, a young graduate student, newly married, and we, used to, we had this park behind our house. And I had prayed that, we would get, that I would get assigned in married student housing to a place where we could open the window and pass out food and there would be picnic tables. We got put right on a park, right at the end of a building so I could easily get out and around, with picnic tables, just gazillion picnic tables right in the back. It's called Squirrel Park. I didn't even know that that park existed. That's where I was assigned. And there were, I don't know, 500 units, that's where I was assigned, ground floor. So we were handing out the food, and there was rain coming as we were setting up the food. And I had seen this with my own eyes. So I said to the believers, I said, and there were even unbelievers that were already there too. I said, let's pray. I got on my knees right there, and I said, Father, we're going to be hosting a a lunch for international students and the rain is coming in this rain is starting to rain I said Lord I pray that over this area you would stop the rain boom the rain stopped the clouds opened up the guy drove up in this van the van started coming in international students we fed them we had a beautiful lunch and the guy when he drove up one of the drivers who was actually the pastor of the church he was driving one of the vans he said he said it is raining everywhere pouring except right here God did that. God did that. I've seen this happen with my own eyes. There's a relationship that comes, and he says, and coming to him, we come to him. We come to him. This this is why Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. He says. Then he goes on. He says, and coming to him in in 1 John, in in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And coming to him as to living stones, which have been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Jesus was rejected by men, but he was precious in the sight of God. Rejected by men. We read in Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah. We learn many things in the Old Testament about Jesus that are not specifically said in the New Testament. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 and 3, it says, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Look at the picture of Jesus. It says he grew up before his father. He was like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty. There was nothing physical, nothing physical in Jesus that drew people to him physically. He had no stately form or majesty. So if you don't really particularly like the way you look, welcome to the world of Jesus. He wasn't particularly shining. There was nothing in him physically that drew people to him. Many times I wish, you know, I were bigger and stronger and more handsome. No, but God made me the way I am. He made me so dependent upon Him. You know, people think my IQ must be really high. It's not. I'm just a regular person. But I see what God has done through my life as I become dependent upon Him. You don't like the way you look. You don't like the way you speak. Just... There was nothing in Jesus physically that attracted us to him. 
He had no stately form of majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So twice, he says, there was nothing stately in him. There was nothing in his appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men. I know there's people that don't like me, but I don't think I'm despised. He was despised and forsaken of men. Jesus was rejected by people. Over and over again, Jesus was rejected. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Have you had griefs in your life? Welcome to the world of Jesus. Many griefs. He had. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. I mean, people would see him and they'd be like... I remember... I was at this this uh, this party when I was in college, and and uh, um, this very attractive young woman was standing there, and all these guys were standing around and talking to her. And I just said like one sentence, and she looked at me like this. I mean, the one sentence she, I just one sentence, and she had to roll her eyes at me, and I was, I was just devastated. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but just. Women, don't roll your eyes at guys. It just, it just breaks them. I mean, this was like almost 50 years ago, and I still remember this. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. This is the life of Jesus. He was rejected by men. He was rejected by men. And then in, 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 uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And coming to him as to living stones, which has been rejected by men, but is choice. Choice means chosen. Which is choice and precious in the sight of God. If you have a child, tell him, if you have a child who goes to school and say your, your child goes to school and gets beat up, or say your child, your, your daughter goes to school and, you know, there's this little clique of, of girls and she's not in that clique and they make fun of her. Your heart breaks for your child. And you want to hold your child all the more. Your heart breaks for your child. It makes you all the more protective of your child. And, and uh, when, when people are rejected... God all the more goes toward them. All the more goes toward them. This is clear in the scriptures. In John chapter 4, John chapter 4, there is a woman by a well who comes to get some water from a well. In John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. It's noontime. It's hot. Women don't, didn't come for water alone. She was coming for water alone. She was sort of an outcast of a woman. And Jews, it says, have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus reached out to her. And she's saying, what are you doing talking to me? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We, we don't really have quite the same faith or anything. And Jesus just engages with her. He talks with her. And uh, uh, he, he just starts speaking with her. Jesus, Jesus has this conversation with her. And, and as he's speaking with her, uh, he's reaching out to her. And then she's getting all theological with him. And so he just wants to cut, cut through all of this. So he says to her, go call your husband and come here. 
And the woman answered, this is in John chapter 4, verse 16. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you've correctly said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Jesus wants to cut through all this theology mumbo jumbo. And he says, go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you know, that, that's right. Because you ha you've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with now is not your husband. So this you've said truly. He said, uh, uh, um, this you've said truly. And he says, this you've said correctly. And this you've said truly. He took her lie and he turned it into a truth. I mean, how gracious is that? He could have said to her, well, you slut, you've had five husbands and you're living with... No, he didn't. He took her lie, he turned it into a truth. So gracious he is. She was rejected by that culture. Then she runs back and she tells the men, because there's no women to tell. Women don't normally run back and they tell women. But this woman is kind of outcast. So she tells men because you know, she knows men and they know her. Jesus says to this woman, he said, I know, the, the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. She said, I know that the Messiah, the Christ is coming, he'll declare all things. And Jesus says this to her in John chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He really says, I, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am, I am. I who speak to you am. The great I am. God said, Moses said, what's your name? He asked God. God said, I am. That's my name. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I am. This is more revealing than about any instance in the Bible where Jesus proclaims his messiahship. So explicit. Why wasn't he explicit with the Pharisees? Why wasn't he so explicit with other people? But to this woman, he's so explicit because she was cast out by her society. Boom, Jesus goes right to her. That's what Jesus does. That's what my Lord does. He is all the more embracing of those who are cast out by their society. Do you feel neglected and cast out? Jesus is for you. Jesus will embrace you. There was a man who was born blind, born blind, and people used to judge him. Either your parents were sinners or you were a sinner. In the womb you sinned that you were born blind. John chapter 9 verse 1, And he passed by, saw a man born man blind from birth. And he said, to, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's been born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so, and we must work the works of him who sent them as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And then he goes on, and, and, and while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground, he made clay of the spittle, he applied it to the man's eyes, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated means sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. A man is born blind, Jesus makes spit, spits on the dirt, makes clay out of it, applies it to his eyes, saying, go wash in that pool and you'll see. This is a messianic miracle. There were three messianic miracles that were taught by the rabbis. To this day it's taught. 
It's in Jewish literature to this day. Three things that the only Messiah will be able to do. One of them is to heal a man born blind. You will never see anybody in the Bible who was born blind, healed of their blindness, except Jesus did it. So Jesus heals a man born blind. It immediately screams out, this is the Messiah. To these people, they've been taught this. Only Messiah would be able to do this. There were two other things only Messiah would be able to do. No other prophet had ever done. But this is one of the three. The two other things was to cast out a demon from a person who is mute, who is unable to speak. And the third thing was to heal a person of leprosy, to heal a Jew of leprosy, to heal a Jew of leprosy. Because because Naaman had been healed, but he was not a Jew, he was a Syrian. And, and uh, 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 Moses' sister Miriam had been healed, but since the law had been completed, the law was not completed. Since the law had been completed with the rabbis teach. Only Messiah would be able to heal lepers. So Jesus healed a bunch of them. But this man was born blind. It, it warranted now an investigation by the Pharisees because this was a messianic miracle that was fulfilled. And the man, as a result of this, is thrown out of the synagogue because the Pharisees had said, whoever proclaims him as the Messiah, whoever acknowledges Jesus, will be thrown out of the synagogue. The man said, look, I was blind and now I see. And he says, and so he confronted the Pharisees. They threw him out of the synagogue. So now he's an outcast. To be thrown out of the synagogue is not like, well, I'll just go to the church across the street. No, all community is gone. So this guy goes and uh, he's thrown out of the synagogue. And look what it says in John chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that when they had put him out and finding him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of man? So, so he says, Jesus heard that they put him out. When Jesus heard that he had been cast out, when Jesus heard that he had been rejected by his society, then he went. He went to him. And he found him. And he said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking to you. Again, you see how explicit Jesus is with these people, these outcasts. And it says, and he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This man, this man who was blind and now sees, worships Jesus. He worshipped him. We see in the, in the New Testament that the, the, uh, Jesus was was uh, worshipped by the wise men. The wise men came, brought their gifts. They worshipped Jesus. Here, this man is worshipping Jesus. When Jesus was taken up into heaven, when he was taken up into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, he was worshipped by the apostles, worshipped him. Jesus was worshipped by this man. He loves the brokenhearted. Jesus loves the brokenhearted. Jesus is just, just uh, uh, reaches out to them. Jesus reaches out to them. He loves the brokenhearted. This is what he does. This is one of the things that he clearly does. And, uh, and uh, um, uh, he, he does this, that, that we come to him. We come to him and Jesus just embraces. If you feel ever as, as an outcast, if, if you feel that your friends have come against you, your families come against you, and everything in life is falling apart, I urge you to come to Jesus. Come to him. Come to him. If you do not know the Lord, 
you, it, it's so hard to really take hold of what I'm telling you. Jesus came and he died the death that we deserved. Because of our sin, it has separated us from God. And the Bible clearly tells us that the way to God is this, is that we accept that Jesus has died on my behalf. Jesus said, I come, I give my life for you. That while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. You don't have to make yourself somehow godly in order for him to have given his life for you. Jesus died for the ungodly. In fact, if you find yourself and you think you're pretty godly, then this is not a faith for you. You've got to find your, your salvation somewhere else. The Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. For the sinners he died. He died for sinners. We come to him we say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying for me. His life then fills your life. And you can begin to understand what I'm talking about. His life fills your life. And you begin to have fellowship with him. If you do not spend time with him, now this is to believers, if you do not spend time with him, there will be little substantive difference between your life and the life of anybody else. If you have received Jesus, you can forever be with him. But in this life, you will have little substantive difference, and in the world to, the co to come, you'll receive little blessing. I urge you to spend time with him. First thing in the morning, to spend time with Jesus. He is so good. And when you feel particularly downcast, when groups have rejected you, when you get a diagnosis of a terrible disease and you feel like your world is cratering, when you've gotten some diagnosis like that, or when someone whom you really love has, has, has just passed away, remember Jesus is all the more there. Jesus comforts the brokenhearted. He's all the more, all the more there for us. That's what he does for us. He's all the more there for us. Jesus does this. Um, there's this, this, this one verse that I've, I've noted here. It's in, in Matthew chapter, chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll turn there. Matthew chapter 12. And uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. This is a quote from, from the book of Isaiah, from the Old Testament. This is what it says about Jesus. A battered reed he will not break off. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out. You come to him, no matter how battered you are, it will not be broken off. I mean, he will comfort you. Come to Jesus. This portion tells us to come to him, and if you are rejected, he is all the more clear with you. He always goes to the brokenhearted. He is always there for the brokenhearted. That's who Jesus is. He is so kind and so gracious in every way, and we will forever, forever be grateful to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. He who gave his life for us. Thank you, my Father, for Jesus for what he means to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you seek out the outcast to explicitly reveal yourself to them. Thank you, Lord, you specifically go
to those who are thrown out by their society, to those that feel neglected. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because you yourself have been despised and forsaken of men. Thank you, Lord, that you know what it's like to be separated, to be cast out. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercies on us. Thank you for dying for us. And Lord, I pray for those who do not know you, that this very day they would say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that Jesus is Lord, and I believe that he has risen from the dead. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for the believers who are here that they would learn this simple little truth. Come to me. Come to Jesus and spend time with him. Come before God. Father, that they would not forget this simple truth. Come to me. And that they would learn to receive this and how you would focus upon them how they would become a favorite of yours because of the, the time they spend with you. Father, I pray your richness and your blessing in their lives. May Jesus Christ be glorified. And I offer this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.